Bonjour everyone and welcome back to Casser les Lignes, the French football podcast with the accent. I'm your host, Jeremy Magan, as usual, and we're going to talk about Ligue 1. And today we're going to actually focus on one club specifically. We're going to talk about RC Strasbourg. Now, I know it's a club that's not, um, you know, the most glamour and the most glitzy of the Ligue 1 club, but it's a historical club. It's a club that uh, I think deserves a lot of credit. Uh, and to talk about Strasbourg, I will be with um, Daniel, who is, um, I guess, the, the founder, the creator of Clean Sheet FR, uh, which you can find on, on Twitter, uh, and who's somebody who's, who's passionate about football, of all footballs, uh, and that I've met through, um, through social media. Uh, and so we had a a very, very interesting chat uh, about Strasbourg, about where it comes from, about what's happening um, the, the past few seasons and this season specifically. Uh, and I very much enjoyed it. So most of the podcast will be about Strasbourg. If you if you don't know about this uh, this team from Alsace, who's the third attack in Ligue 1 right now, uh, it's really worth the the listen. It was a very um, good chat with uh, with Daniel. Uh, besides that, of course, um, match day 14 was happening this weekend. Ten games. We did have the full ten games. Uh, 21 goals only, uh, and two red cards were given, uh, and and somewhat of a status quo. In, uh, in Liga with, uh, with the winners winning and, and with the teams that we didn't expect to, to get the three points, not getting the three points. Uh, it, it was one of those, uh, one of those weekends where you felt like there was a bit of fatigue, uh, in our league. Uh, but it was nonetheless, uh, an interesting one. Since the chat I have with Daniel, um, takes just, just under an hour, uh, I'll just quickly go through all the, all the games and, uh, and talk about what was, uh, what was of note, uh, but we're not going to spend too much time on the games this week. Uh, anyway, we are going to start straight away, as usual, Casseleline from the Breaking the Lines uh, media, brought to you by Jeremy Magan. We'll start after the music. we're going to start by the focus of the week and the focus of the week is RC Strasbourg um, I've recorded that just a, a little bit earlier uh, with Daniel from Clean Sheet FR don't hesitate to follow him uh, on Twitter uh, it starts now And here we are with Daniel from Clean Sheet. I'm, I'm very happy uh, that Daniel has accepted to come on the pod uh, to discuss uh, a club that you know is is a bit lesser known because of history, because people only care about Paris Saint-Germain these days in France, but a club that I really wanted to talk about, RC Strasbourg. Daniel, how are you? And thank you for being here again. Thank you for having me, Jeremy. Hi. Hi, everyone. Um, I'm fine and I'm very happy to be with you to discuss about Strasbourg uh, that uh, no one knows about. Some people think it's in Germany. It's not. So I'm um, quite happy to, to right the wrongs with you. It's close to Germany, though. It's as cold as Germany. I mean, at least that's what that's the legend. That's what I've been told. I never ventured this north in France. Um, yeah, yeah, it's it's, if, a, it's on the border of Germany. Yeah, <laughs> it is. I've, yeah, I'm, I'm only kidding. I, I have been to Strasbourg on, uh, on a couple <laughs> of occasions, and it's actually a, a beautiful city for anybody who's uh, who's traveling through France. It's it's worth the the visit. 
Daniel, quickly for our listeners, tell me, tell us about you uh, and tell us about Clean Sheet. I mean, you, somebody would have to speak French to, to get into Clean Sheet, but I think it's a, it's a very interesting project. Um, so, so let us know what you're doing at Clean Sheet. Um, so first of all, I'm Daniel. I'm 35 years old. I'm from uh, Strasbourg, almost born and bred here. I was not born in Strasbourg. I was born in Grenoble, actually, because my parents had to move uh, to Grenoble for work. Uh, and um, right after I was born, they moved back to Strasbourg. So let's say I'm from Strasbourg. Um, I created Clean Sheet a couple months ago now. Uh, it's a project. It's a, I, I guess it's an interesting project. The, the thing is, last summer I realized just how my Twitter timeline was filled with just the same topics all over again. Uh, always the same things being discussed. You know, who deserves the Ballon d'Or? Who's the best between uh, Messi, Ronaldo, the crisis at Barcelona, Real Madrid and stuff? And I was like, okay, it's been, you know, I'm 35. I've, I've, I've been reading this for, let's say, 20 years. I, I was just fed up with this. And, and I wanted to, uh, you know, to write about, you know, people and clubs and, and players that are a bit more... Um, not obscure, but not talked about enough. Uh, and that was the starting point for uh, for Clean Sheet. So uh, I started writing two articles a week. I had time to do this during the summer. Now, since uh, September, it's a bit more difficult because I, I just I have to work uh, to get food. So I have to do other things. But uh, uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I write um, now. It's it's one article every two weeks. And I just started the postcat, uh, podcast uh, adventure uh, last week. So I just aired the, the second one this morning. Uh, so uh, if you want to listen to this, it's, it's in French. I'm sorry, but um, maybe one one day it, w it will be an English one. The, the first podcast was about um, the Red Bull Salzburg and, and the second one? It's about Venezuelan football. Um, awesome. I venture into, uh, you know, exotic places. I like to write about mostly about European clubs and, and European figures. But with the podcast, I, I feel free to to go a little bit a little bit further where I don't have much you know information, and I have guests that are very uh, accurate about the topics that I've picked. And this was the case for Venezuela. I think it was one hour of you know with a passionate person who is married to a Venezuelan. He, he lived uh, in South uh, South America and, and now he's in in Toronto, and and. You know, the guy was just so passionate about the thing. It was just a pleasure to to be with him for an hour. That, that's awesome, and and I, I respect that um, that journey so much. I mean, I started the the Ligue 1 podcast uh, over a year ago because I felt like the way Ligue 1 was represented was was definitely not the the right way, at least in English podcasts. And so that's why I wanted to to do something like like that as well, and and to sort of you know um, plug in the the other couple of projects that I'm doing. I'm I'm writing for uh, Dernier Défenseur, which is a a French website where I write about Australian football. A great one. And it's, And it's a French website that uh, talks about literally every single football. And, and I'm enjoying it because I'm not writing about, you know, what the score was this weekend in Australian football, but I'm writing about the roots of football in Australia and how, you know, migrants came in, how how indigenous Australians are treated through football. So, um, you know, I think I, I agree with you a lot that there's a lot of topics that can be discussed about 
in football, it's great that there are some people that focus on um, the news only and, and what's going to be sold in the tabloids and all that. But I think it's also important that there's a voice um, to talk about um, everything else. We, we are on Casselelini today, which is part of uh, Breaking the Lines. And if I'm not mistaken, you have written um, an article um, for Breaking the Lines as well in the past on, on one of those uh, famous now ex-Strasbourg players. I did commit an article. Uh, it was approximately a year ago. Uh, I contacted uh, Zach through Twitter uh, mm -hmm. because I, I very much uh, like what BDL is doing. And he said, okay, just let's just give it a try. What do you want to write about? And I say, okay, I, I love Mohamed Simakan. Uh, I think he's, uh, he's one for the future. And he said, okay, just just go for it. And um, and he, he gave me a chance and uh, I took it and he, he did publish that. Like, uh, yeah, I think it was November, December last year. So yeah, I, I uh, did collaborate with BTL. Now I started my own project, and um, but but you know there are similarities in uh, in in the way we we want to focus on you know um, no 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 clickbait uh, topics <laughs> if I may say, and uh, and I think writing about Simakan you well, you were right we know we know how uh, how he's going now and uh, going to Leipzig and we know how most Leipzig player end up usually signing for either a bigger club or just you know. Um, doing well at Leipzig and playing European football as well as um, Bundesliga. Anyway, th thanks for introducing yourself. Um, let's talk a little bit about Strasbourg. Can you introduce the club in short to, to people who, who don't know the, uh, the, the players that are um, at La Meno every other week? You know, it's pretty it's pretty tough to sum up uh, 115 years of history, but uh, let's just say that we are a respectable club. Uh, we won the first division once in 1979, and uh, Arsène Wenger uh, was part of the team uh, back in the, back in the day. Uh, we won the second division three times, Coupe de France three times, uh, Coupe de la Ligue three times. So let's let's just say that we are yeah we are a respectable club in France, uh, even though nobody talks about us. Uh, let's just say that the golden era was seventies. Uh, uh, 80s, a bit 90s, and then um, the the end of the 90s and the turn of the century was a bit start for a bit rough for us. Uh, sorry, um, we were kind of a yo-yo club. Uh, let's just say it like this: um, we had different owners that didn't care so much about the club, but more about you know making money through football. So that was the case with. Um, IMG and then uh, English uh, investors uh, that put a guy named Jafar Ilali as president. I don't know if you know about him, but here in Strasbourg, he's personal non grata. I, I just mm -hmm. hope he never comes back here because he really destroyed the club. Um, I remember one anecdote where when he, he sacked the coach and the next game uh, was coming up and he asked Roland Courbis, who was mm -hmm. uh, then uh, managing Montpellier, to uh, to uh, draw the starting eleven for Racing Club de Strasbourg, which is absolutely crazy, right? So um, yeah, we 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 ended up uh, being relegated by the DNCG. So that's the uh, how do how would you call that in English? The 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 police of the financial fair play. That's right. And so mm -hmm. we had to to start right from the we we clearly we hit rock bottom. 
uh, at that period of time and then we had to to uh, to move up um back to the first division where i think we belong uh and it's and it's partly due to uh, Marc Keller uh was a former uh, player for Racing Club de Strasbourg but also uh, played with Equipe de France he played abroad too uh for West Ham and um you know with a pool of investors local investors he uh he took the club that was uh, put under administration uh in August 2011 so that's just 10 years behind us it, it seems like a while back but it's just 10 years and in 10 years just look at what is done uh we're back in uh we're back in Ligue 1 we played we almost played european football uh we had a taste of it uh we are now an established um club of Ligue 1 i think we we are still fighting not to go down but you know everyone knows that we are not going down so um it, it's just crazy the the roller coaster the emotional roller coaster that we went through for the last 10 years is just amazing And and you you mentioned um, you mentioned Keller I think yes yeah, since he since he went came to Strasbourg came back and and clearly cares about his club uh, I think yeah we we finally seen a little bit of a of a settlement up there and at least um, at least if the president is trying to go uh, in one direction um, it, it's only uh, beneficiary for um, the club that was that was a great sum up. Uh, Daniel, I think it's important to say that um, Strasbourg is a, is a historical club of Ligue 1. Uh, it's one of those clubs um, that has always been uh, a place where uh, a lot of talent uh, is. And then um, it's always hard to find, you know, the, uh, the all the cogs go the same way for the team to actually uh, have a, a great season or a great few season. Um, but but I feel like it's a team that has a lot of upsides, and I think. Uh, I think this season might be the start of something pretty pretty interesting for for Strasbourg. You, you throw you throw in a couple of names. You throw in Arsene Wenger in there. Of course, we talked about uh, Mark Keller. Um, it's a team that has seen um, some some pretty famous players. Uh, can, can you can you name a few that are that are people listening might know? Just to I guess again um, give a, an understanding of of how good this team can be um, from time to time. Yeah, I, I would just mention names also that are close to my heart because the, those are players I, I've been uh, attending the games for the past, let's say, 25 years, a little bit more. Um, so I had the pleasure to watch Peggy Lou Indula, who was my first idol, mm -hmm. uh, who then played for uh, Lyon, uh, Marseille, uh, PSG, um, uh, and so on and so forth. Obviously, Corentin Martins, who was a mm -hmm. fantastic uh, number 10, very short, but incredibly talented player. I think he played in Spain too, um, La Coruña, mm -hmm. if I'm not really, if I'm not right. Not wrong, uh, but also Olivier Dacour okay. uh, was uh, playing for uh, the national team. A, a goalkeeper that I loved, that I've loved for years and years, and I think now is is uh, a coach at the club, uh, Alexander Wenzel, a Slovakian goalkeeper. The cat, it was called the cat. The guy was just fantastic. And uh, yeah, yeah. Um, the Tsar Alexander Mostovoy. Uh, mm -hmm. whom I met once uh, was a lovely guy awesome. um, the duo Pagis-Nyang so Michael Pagis, Mamadou Nyang they were absolutely awesome uh, I mean Pagis was was absolutely fantastic and and now with Ludovic Ajorc I, I 
find that there are similarities in in their games and they're very astute, uh, intelligent, uh, smart players um, who direct the game without touching the ball that much. And I think it's a great sign of of intelligence. Sorry, just before you go to Simakan, Michael Pagis, uh, if people don't know, um, was was clearly a genius, wasn't he? he? He wasn't a fast striker. He wasn't maybe the most prolific striker, but each each ball that was coming through his feet, he was changing into something uh, magical. And I think he's one of those uh, one of those Ligue 1 legends that people who follow French football uh, know and will never forget um, because whichever team he played, he did, he did of course, um, Strasbourg and then Marseille. If I'm not mistaken, he went to Brittany, uh-huh. was it maybe Rennes. Um, so he 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 was just uh, he was just I think a, a genius who uh, who didn't have to force his talent to get where it was and and you thinking if you wanted to force his talent he was probably going to reach um, cr- crazy heights. So, so, sorry to uh, to to interrupt. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Mika Pagis as well. Uh, you, you were saying um, Momo Simakan. Yeah, but before going to Simakan, you're 100% right about what you said about Pagis. You know, being quite short myself I've always loved tall players um, so that's why also I, I have so much love for Ludovic Ajorc because you know Ajorc and Pagis they have so many similarities in their game first of all they are tall players so the solution of uh, you, you would say facility or um, it, it would be very easy let's just say to go for um, a long pass and play on the head and they are very good headers, uh, actually. Um, but they are very good at, you know, cushioning the ball, uh, orienting the game, passing, you know. Um, it's it just, you, you have to watch them to understand. But they're very slow, tall players, but they're actually, you know, all over the place. And without knowing it, you just find the, the those players where the ball is. And I think this is a, a, a the sign of an, of an intelligent player. About Mohamed Simakan... Um, I don't think that in 25 years going to Lameno, I've seen a player like that. I think he's, uh, to me, he's a monster and I'm very happy that he went to Leipzig because I, I actually asked, asked him on Instagram to go to Leipzig because he had so many opportunities and I don't think he read it, but uh, <laughs> um, but I, I was very happy for him to go to Leipzig because I think it's the right platform for him to, to continue developing. Although I don't believe that uh, in the Bundesliga you progress that much as a defender uh, because it's a very open, uh, very open league, but uh, he will play uh, European football and he will learn so much there. And, and, and I'm very happy because, he, you know, he's a, first of all, he's a smart lad. He's a very humble guy. Uh, he was actually part of the uh, Olympique de Marseille uh, youth system. And he was, uh, he, was, um, he was let out without a contract. So he went back, uh, he went back to, I think, to his boyhood uh, club for a year just to get back in shape and, and you know, to continue to attract scouts. And that's what happened. Um, yeah. When he was and when he was left by Marseille, he went to play for uh, for the club like you said, boyhood clubs. Uh, they're called Saint Gabriel. They're called Herbel. Uh, I'm from the, the Marseille right. region, of course. Uh, and and those are clubs that I played against in in youth football. Did you um, in, uh, in 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 you know Sunday competitions? Uh, and they are not. Um, how do you say that? They're not fun clubs 
to play for. They're, they're a club that don't have a lot of means. Uh, they're a club that, you know, every weekend where they play, uh, the, the atmosphere is a bit tense. Um, so to see a, a guy like him coming from Marseille, then going into um, the neighborhood's club uh, where, where every weekend um, isn't great, and then coming out of that um, to go to Strasbourg, I think is is a true testament to uh, um, to the kind of guy he is and, and, and all the hard work um, definitely paid eventually. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and the guy exudes humility. Uh, he was actually supposed to start a year before the year he broke out, but he had an horrible injury. I think it was um, uh, the knee. I don't remember the injury he had, but he, he, he had a season-long season injury. Uh, and then he broke out the year after and he took only a year for him to attract uh, big clubs. Uh, he decided to stay for another year, but you know he could have moved to AC Milan or to to very very big clubs. Uh, he decided to stay for another year, which I think was the right thing to do. He also discovered uh, uh, other position. He, he can play as a center or he can play on the right side of the defense. Uh, I think he's best in the back three. Uh, which I think Leipzig plays. Uh, that's where he can, you know, uh, use both skills as a central defender. He's very strong, very quick, uh, but he, he is also very comfortable with the ball going forward. Uh, I think he's a bit rough, but he has the tools to be a, a very a fantastic player uh, in this position. And with the uh, Guardiola on the other side of the defense, I think Leipzig are, are full of uh, are full of talent in this department. But uh, going back to Simacan. He's a he's a guy who gives everything on the, on the pitch, a very combative player, uh, a smart one, a smart kid, always uh, always with a smile, uh, listening to everyone, uh, very very good with the fans, and I'm just over the moon that now he is where he belongs, really. Oh, as a as a as a Marseille fan, I really thought uh, OM was a were going to be able to uh, to lure him out of, of Strasbourg and, and get him uh, last year or the year before. But uh, but yeah, good for him that he made it to uh, to Leipzig. So so yeah, I guess to, to sum it up, we do have some talent coming out of uh, northeast of France, and I think maybe what makes um, Strasbourg probably very attractive uh, to players who are in Ligue 1 uh, is, is Lameno. I mean, it's a, it's a historical stadium. Um, it's a stadium that has always been reputed to have a, a good reputation. It's also a stadium that is um, some sort of a fortress. And I mean, every club likes to see their, their home turf as a, as a fortress, a place that's hard to, uh, to come and get points. Um, you said that you've been um, to Lameno several times in the past 25 years. C can you tell us you know what's the atmosphere at Lameno? What what kind of what what is the crowd that goes to those stadiums in in Strasbourg? Man, that's wild. Uh, you know, I, I didn't say that in the introduction, but to be honest, I'm a casual fan, meaning I do not watch Strasbourg week in, week out. Uh, I mostly go to the stadium, but when they don't play in Strasbourg, I don't necessarily watch the game. So it's it's also reflective of, of how Lameno um, connects me to this club. Um, you know, post-COVID, we all had this um, apprehension of, you know, what, what it was going to, what is going to be like, but it's like we picked it up where we left it off last time. I mean, we just, uh, it, it just 
it's like it was before COVID. And I have to say we're lucky to have a great cop, uh, the Ultra Boys, uh, who just uh, recently uh, celebrated uh, 30 years of existence against France. And they're, they're amazing. They actually moved from the corner to a full stand um, back in, uh, I think it was uh, 2016. Um, the president trusted uh, trusted them to, you know, to, to, to give this atmosphere to the stadium. Uh, and they like uh, to um, to get everyone in the stadium going. Uh, sometimes they chant La Meno avec nous, meaning La Meno sing with us. And so when you go to to watch a game at La Meno, you're not just uh, watching the game; you're participating in the atmosphere. So it's a it's a roughly twenty five thousand. Uh, places and uh, 25,000 people just cheering for the club, singing along, uh, clapping along. And it's just, it's, that's why you have this impression of, you know, fortress because everyone's involved. And, and I think Lameno, um, with maybe the Roison Park in Rennes, um, is one of those stadiums that is somehow underrated because, you know, everyone talks about Marseille and Lens uh, and Saint-Etienne for, for the atmosphere and, and Lyon is started to come up as well. Uh, but I think in all of those clubs, although the fans are, are amazing um there are some you know i guess difference of opinion between the fans and and some of them are real supporters some of them are a bit more casual some of them can be extreme uh, i feel like ren and, and strasbourg because we're talking about strasbourg now has that real real good feel about them this is a this is a crowd that is here to be behind the club uh, that it, of course is going to boo or whistle if something isn't going right uh but that's a very supportive crowd and that's you know when we talk in france about the the 12th player right, be, being the the fans i think um in lameno and we've seen it before covid when even paris Saint-Germain wasn't able to win in strasbourg um it, it It is definitely a, a huge strength for the RC Strasbourg to have their their fine behinds. We've seen what happened in the stadiums uh, around France since the beginning um, of the season. Is it something that you think can happen in Strasbourg? You know, never say never, but uh, I can hardly it's, I can't see it happening at La Meno. To be to be fair. Um, We are known to be quite welcoming here, uh, and that starts from the president down to the ultras and and the supporters. Uh, for instance, uh, it was um, uh, Nicolas from Montpellier who talked about it. But uh, when they came to to play Strasbourg, uh, Marc Keller uh, took him uh, downtown to to give him uh, around uh, around the city. Uh, he took him to the restaurant, and and then. The game is the game, right? It's football, and 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 that's 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 life. But um, it doesn't prevent us from, you know, welcome players uh, the right way. Uh, also, I, I think I've read that on on Twitter or somewhere uh, that um, away fans love to come to Strasbourg because they found indication of where to park and where to go and how to come there. Uh, it, it's very easy. So yeah, it's I think it counts. And and you know back in the day when I was uh, when I was young there were always problems with away fans especially from from Paris and Marseille because they were the most you know uh, uh, I don't know passionate. how you want to say it. Passionate, passionate ones let's say let's say that way <laughs> uh, but now you don't see it happening you know um, it's 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 very welcoming and also I think that we know where we come from uh, you know having now we're more humble 
as a, as a crowd um and and you know being having been so low uh, in in the in the european football uh scheme uh, makes you a bit more humble so now we were just we're ha mostly happy to be here and um and also i want to i want to point this out because it's important in 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 this day and age but everybody feels safe uh, going to lamino women feel safe going there it's um back in the day you didn't see much women now uh, my girlfriend loves to go to lamino uh, you you see group of girls going together before going out um you see family all over the place it, it's just it's nice you know and if you watch german football that's the kind of crowd that you would see mainly in in, in german audience And, and I guess maybe there's a bit of that um, German culture who uh, who's spreading on all over Alsace uh, the good parts of it. Uh, and yeah, I think you know, careful people. people I think, that's, what, that's what I said. Not, 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 I don't want to go into all the, the whole historic debate uh, and and create an issue. Uh, but but when I've been to to Strasbourg myself, I definitely felt the the welcoming um, part and 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 yeah, the warmth of of a place that um, people from South of France jokingly jokingly said it's it's so called. It probably is the Arctic Pole. Um, but um, but we it, it's definitely something that I, that I think. Uh, Ligue 1 can be proud of having having you know a, a team like Strasbourg and and fans like Strasbourg, diehard fans of of those clubs that I mentioned before would argue that um, whatever happens that is extreme goes with the love that you have for the club, but to be able to love for the club and show his strength and let everybody come to the stadium and support the club without you know without fearing for uh, their safety i think it's it's what every single club and every single um supporters club should um you know should aspire to be so so hats hats are for uh, to strasbourg and to the to the ultra boys and to everyone at lameno for uh, for doing just that and i think it's important this day and age uh, like you said to definitely mention it that you know anybody who's listening to the pod if ever you go to france and and you don't know where you want to go where you know that you can have a good football experience uh, and not wondering how you're going to get out of the stadium uh, go to Strasbourg you'll enjoy the city you'll enjoy the stadium uh, you'll see some good football um, this day this, this this season as well uh, and and that's a that's a good pick uh, out of all the stadiums that you can go to uh, in France football look at that segue that I, does, that I did for myself um, <laughs> talk about football with Strasbourg this season Um, a new coach has arrived, Julien Stéphane. Some would say that the coach that you had before, Thierry Loré, was, uh, was a bit of a torture uh, because of, of his tactics or, or lack thereof. Uh, Julien Stéphane is here. Um, people who follow French football know how good Julien Stéphane has been. Uh, he's the son uh, of, um, of course, the assistant manager of the French national team. Um, he was in Rennes for, for uh, quite a while. He was a young coach at Rennes, uh, won the Coupe de France with Rennes, to their first Champions League berth um, and then um, I guess was thanked slash left halfway through the season last year. Uh, I think it's a big coup for Strasbourg to get a coach like Julien Stéphane who's young, who's always, um, I think, who's the kind of coach that is looking for a project and wants to build something on the long term. Um, and not a lot has changed in the off-season. A couple of players have arrived. Um, I think, yeah, Julien Stéphane is probably the the 
the change of the guard, I guess, for, for Strasbourg and a very, um, a very crucial choice from, uh, from Mark Keller, um, and, and from the, the sporting director at Strasbourg. Your thoughts on, on what Stefan brought to Strasbourg, on Stefan coming to Strasbourg, I guess, to start with, uh, and what we've seen, um, this far in Ligue 1 in 21-22 at Lameno? Well, first thing first, let's just be grateful first for what Thierry Lory has done for us. Uh, he got us where we are now. And honestly, we will always be in his debt for that. Uh, we do not, we cannot take it uh, for granted. You know, it was, uh, it was a difficult one. And uh, we know what we've been through. And uh, like I said, now we have Marc Keller. You know, we were, we were, um, Uh, we were labeled uh, Marseille from the East back in the day, like 15 years ago, because the club was just a mess and it turned into a circus uh, before we got, uh, before we got relegated. Um, so it's, it's, you know, we're, we are very chauvinist here. Uh, so we, we needed someone from, from the region uh, to understand what it means to, uh, to be Racing Club de Strasbourg. Uh, and I have to mention also that this is the only club of the whole region. So just not Barin or Oran, it's, it's both. So it's not only a city, but it's a region that's behind the club. So, so uh, we know what Thierry Laurie has done, but it's true, though, that it got to a point where he and the players felt that the change was needed. Um, I personally liked his 5-3-2 uh, tactics. Uh, he managed to get the best out of, you know, players such as Kenny Lala, for instance, who came here uh, after his contract expired at Lens and got to a point where uh, he was actually thought to be called up with the France national team. So it says a lot about, you know, what uh, Lore has achieved here. Uh, he won trophies. Uh, he got us a team that fights hard, uh, but tactically speaking, uh, like you said, um, I don't think we would we would have been able to compete on the long run. And down the stretch, we needed you know someone else, and that might be uh, uh, Julien Stefan. Uh, as regards Stefan, I was and I still am very cautious. Uh, he has kind of a short experience in Liga. Uh, I think he, he, he managed uh, Rennes for one season and a half, two seasons maybe. Uh, so the guy has everything to prove. And as much as I'm delighted that a young French coach is finally being given a chance, a proper chance uh, in Ligue 1, let's not get carried away and expect him, you know, to take us to Europe too soon or whatever. You know, we just have to, to uh, stay grounded. And, and like I said before, we're still playing to stay up. Uh, and once the job is done, then we look to go as high as possible. But that's where we are now. Uh, and, and, you know, let's just say, let's just see what, what Stefan will take us. Uh, tactically speaking, we are still playing a 5-3-2 or 3-5-2, whatever you call it. Uh, Stefan tried a 4-4-2 during the first game against Angers. We lost and he reverted back to the 4-3-2 uh, ever since. So we still have this very direct uh, style. Uh, we are not a, a great passing team. Uh, I watched the stats uh, yesterday. We still rank 15th in possession because we play this very high tempo um, 
high tempo style very often do you see uh, Matt Sells or the defense um, getting the ball uh, all the way through uh, to uh, Ludovic Ajork uh, who would uh, cushion the ball or deflect the ball for someone and then you do aggressively attack uh, the goal with three, four, five players uh, going there so we create lots, loads of chances we press very, very much We, I think we, uh, we rank third in steals uh, during the game I think Thomasson is one of the best presser in Europe so uh, yeah we are a bit all over the place I don't think that's what Julien Stéphane wants uh, the team to play like but you know inherited a, a, a team that plays like this that was built for 3-5-2 I personally like it, and I think that when uh, you don't have two great defenders, it's better to play with three. Um, we, we, we will see with time. I think in its time, uh, this uh, this off season, we had to revamp <clears throat> to revamp. Sorry, the the, the defense uh, because we had loads of players um, uh, leaving us. We managed to keep Jiku for one more season. I think he will leave at the end of this season. Um, a great player that Lore wanted uh, to play as a uh, as a midfielder, which is total nonsense, by the way. But uh, 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 Stefan <laughs> understood that uh, that Jiku is is a great defender. That's where he plays him. Uh, Jardinio Niamsi is a great uh, is a great one. Loïc Perrin from Marseille is is adapting a little bit more difficult, but. You know, I think he's a good player, and um, and yeah, we we're a bit all over the place. We don't play the 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 best football you can see, but it, there's always something happening with us, and um, and you know, to see players uh, uh, progressing uh, in this environment is is absolutely amazing. You take Belgarde, for instance, we took him from Lens. And and look at the player is now. I think he's coveted uh, all over Europe now. He almost left uh, this off season. I think is I think is one for the future. But we're good in doing this. We we, we did this with Fofana Yusuf Fofana, who's now at Monaco. Uh, he was out of contract. He left us for Monaco, uh, a a Champions League side, for 15 million euros. Uh, we did that with uh, Jean Eudaoulou. Uh, that we'd managed to sell 14 million and have still him have a uh, play for us, which is absolutely g- genius from Mark Keller. Um, uh, Momo Simacan. And, and I think there, there will be other ones. I, I, I don't know what Ajok is still doing here, to be fair. Uh, I'm sorry I talk a lot about him, but I just fell in love um, with him. The, the second he started for Strasbourg, I think he's an amazing player. He has nothing to do here. <clears throat> sorry. I think it would be perfectly uh it would be a perfect fit for um italian football uh, and i would love to see him playing european football because i think he's just a fantastic talent but yeah to sum it up uh I, we are not playing the way stefan would love us to play right now but let's just see what what happened this summer when we i think we will rebuild the midfield that that's where we need to 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 change things i think I, I, I love everything you say, Daniel. I uh, I couldn't agree more uh, with everything you're saying about um, Strasbourg. It's it's a lot of um, I guess sometimes raw, sometimes young talent, uh, but also some some very talented players. I mean, uh, Matt Sells, the goalkeeper. I think last year having him injured the whole season uh, probably cost more than it should have to to Strasbourg. Uh, you know, I, I like Kawashima and Bingoa, but um, but Matt Sells is, I think, uh, one, in my opinion, one of the top five goalkeepers in the league this season. Uh, I 
Ludovic Ajork is, I mean, you know, I think if you like, if you know football and like football and you watch a couple of games, there's no way you don't love the guy. He is hardworking. Um, he's technically uh, sound. He, like you said, since, since the beginning, uh, despite his, his size and his, um, um, I guess, his unusual um, body shape and his unusual um, style, um, he's doing things that if, if he was a little bit smaller or built differently, People would only see him in the middle of the of the park. Um, I, there is a lot of talent. Adrian Thomasson, I think, was somehow you know young, young. Sorry, before when he was young, hailed as that number ten that's going to be one of the most technical uh, players that we have. And then next thing you know, you talk about his pressing. He ends up being one of the most um, combative midfielder that we have in Ligue 1, uh, which which fits perfectly. Uh, in Strasbourg, and, and I think all those players, um, whether they stay in Strasbourg and the team sort of grows with them and they end up having, you know, a bit of a story like Lance this season uh, or like a team like Rennes who was plugged in a couple of players but mainly kept, um, you know, so-called Ligue 1 players and made a big team out of it. Uh, I think there's definitely just a lot of potentials uh, in that squad. If, if, if anything, I think that's what... Stefan is good at. Sometimes I'm wondering if I'm, you know, uh, mixing his style and him thinking, oh, if his dad can do it, he can do it as well. Uh, but I feel like we've seen that in Rennes. He's capable of taking a team and get the best out of the individual player. You know, he's, he's brought Bourigeau where it is now. He's brought players like Flaviente uh, where it is now. Um, Mawasa, uh, Traore. I think he's, he builds those players and sort of tells them... Um, what they can be. Sometimes they don't even know that they can be that good. Uh, and regardless of the age, I mean, we're seeing Guibert, Lienard, uh, that are not young players. And I think he's transforming them into um, bigger players that they think they can be. Uh, I, I'm very excited whenever I see Strasbourg. And that's why I'm also uh, quite happy that I could have you on the pod because it's one of those uh, unsung heroes of Ligue 1, especially this season. Uh, you know, for, for people who, who, who don't know Strasbourg, who don't um, pay attention enough, it's the third attack in Ligue 1. Um, only only um, Paris Saint-Germain uh, and Lyon have scored, uh, and Lens, excuse me, have scored more goals uh, than Strasbourg uh, in, in 40 games, scoring 26 goals uh, is no easy fit in Ligue 1, which is uh, sometimes a, a defensive league. Uh, it's it's five wins, five draw, five losses, uh, but it's a team that um, more than held in part against uh, Paris Saint-Germain that could have had you know some more results going their way. Uh, and you know every year I think Strasbourg has that thing where they're trying to make sure that they are not going to be relegated and then they see how far they can go. I feel like this season we're finally getting into a this this team needs to be a first half of the table team um, and they have the talent to do so. They recruit smartly, smartly when they uh, when they sell somebody for a bit of money like uh, like Aholu, although like you said, it's amazing that now he still plays for you after the money that you made on him. Um, like Simakan or, or, or player like this, then um, the money isn't just, uh, you know, thrown at someone who's never seen Liga in their life or who doesn't have a, a pedigree or a resume. It's always done yeah. smartly and it's a it looks like a just a good environment um you know yeah yeah right. if i if i i'm sorry to interrupt you but Please. you're absolutely right and and this is actually 
credit to two people. Uh, first of all, Mark Keller, like I said, you know, the guy is is from here, so it's it's a smart guy. He's not someone from the south, right? So he means what he says and says what he means, um, like we say in French. Um, he, he, you know, he, he you know he takes times to build. Uh, he wanted actually. He's president by accident. Some somehow, uh, he said he, he wanted to be president to to uh, salvage the club from uh, you know to from disappearing, uh, because that's what that's what can happen when you're under administration. And he said, okay, I'm just going to take it for for a couple of years just to to take it afloat and then and then leave. But he's still here, and people are happy that he's still here uh, because he is someone that builds for the future in respect of what people you know believe in here so that that's very important and the second the second person uh, who needs to be uh, 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 highlighted is uh, Loïc Désiré uh, who is the uh, the uh, chief scout uh, of Strasbourg he actually turned the job at Lyon this summer. He was actually thought and uh, talked about to to uh, get the job, and he, he turned it down because he felt that in Strasbourg the job was not done, uh, and and that he had you know room to operate uh, as is his fits, and 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 that's how you know Mark Keller works. You know he gives you freedom to to work, and that's what he said when he introduced Julien Stéphane as well. He's not. Uh, he's not uh, know it all. He's not uh, uh, Jean-Michel Olas. Um, credit to Jean-Michel Olas, but he has a very invasive uh, style, management style, and this is clearly not the, the case with Marc Keller. <clears throat> So, uh, so yeah, Loïc Désiré is, is, is a great scout. I think he worked for Ajax Amsterdam for a couple of years, uh, mainly operated in the West at Vannes. Uh, and he's the guy who... who brought us the players that we've been talking about, Ajork, uh, uh, Aolu, uh, for half a million and sold it from, uh, for 15 million, uh, Fofana, Simakan, uh, Diallo, uh, who is the, the biggest transfer that we did. And we, we bought him from Mess, which are <laughs> arc rivals, uh, for us. Um, yeah, I think the, the guy is smart and I'm, I'm so happy that he's staying here. Um, and and that's testimony for 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 the work he has done here. You know, it, it's it's amazing what we've been through the the last few years. And we know that every time a player comes in, there's seventy five percent chance that he's a good player in the making, right? There's there's very few uh, misses, and and we we really trust the people in place here. And I don't think that every club in Liga or Ligue 2 can say it. That, that, that's very true. Uh, we're talking about, you know, Diallo, Ajorc, Thomason. Um, they are now, that now that people are seeing their talent and, and what they can do week in, week out. I mean, um, it's, a, it's a team that has scored um, out of the fortune games, 12 games they've scored. So only, only Rennes and Angers haven't conceded against Hasbourg. Um you know, they're prospects, they are valuable players for for Strasbourg players that Strasbourg can make money of. Um, this season, they are doing well. They're probably going to do well until the end of the season. You said that you don't know what Ajok is still doing uh, in Strasbourg. How, how likely is it that at the next, you know, whether it's in January or in or in summer, uh, how likely is it that you're losing Thomason, Ajork, um, you know, potentially Jiku 
which which seems like it's um you know sort of almost done maybe Bellegarde um how likely is it and if you lose them um do you fear for for the future do you fear for you know the fact that you're going to have to go back into rebuilding mode or are you sort of confident in in who's in place right now um i don't think that we'll sell anyone uh in the winter break that's not how we operate and and i think the players like the club uh truly and um and i, I don't think they will let the club down uh in december or january so that's the first thing and then you have to know where you sit on the food chain, right? We're not uh, neither at the top nor at the bottom. So we're right in the middle, I guess. Uh, now we have, um, uh, I, would, I would call them alumni, just like Fofana and Simacan going to big clubs, big European clubs. So I, I guess the scouts uh, come to Lameno a little bit, a little bit more than the than the previous years, and and that's good for us. You know, it, it gives us uh, um, it it gives us an image of of a club that is a, the right platform to go from maybe uh, Ligue 2 to uh, Champions League or the the bottom of of Ligue 1 to Champions League. And I think that's good for us because the more we sell, the more we buy, and the more we buy, the more we are maybe able to uh, repeat the, this kind of of, of um, player development so I, i'm like i said when you know that you're in safe hands you you don't fear the future that's that's where we are we know that these those players are going to leave to be to be honest when we bought diallo with my friends we joked and we said okay he's going he's coming for two years and we're going to sell him to west brom or, or whatever you know uh second tier english club because that's the the kind of player they like and and we know it and then we when we buy diallo for 10 million which is huge for us uh it's the the biggest transfer by far i think we know that the guy is going to go but that doesn't mean that he cannot like the club and that, that doesn't mean that the guy cannot just you know, enjoy his time here. So I think it's a win-win-win situation for everyone. And and obviously, I'll be sad the day Ajar goes, but Ajar is already 27, I guess. Uh, so I guess this would be the last call. If he doesn't leave this summer, we're going to have him for, I guess, a couple more years. There was a there was another player who uh, who bloomed a little bit late and and who ended up reaching heights at 26 27 with a with a style maybe a bit more powerful but a style closer to York. it was uh, it was DJ Drogba and it's who I yeah. think about whenever Asia are playing um so I I think you know for players like him uh, age age won't be an issue he's got the he's got the smarts and he's uh He's, he's doing some some really good things uh, in, in Strasbourg and things that, like we're saying with Gaëtan Laborde, for example, in Rennes, I feel like Ajor could be playing the way he plays um, wherever he goes. He's got yeah, he's got what he what it takes um, to, to get there. Um, th- that, that's an awesome chat we're having, uh, Daniel. I'm really enjoying uh, all your take on Strasbourg. Uh, we, we didn't talk about the game that was uh, that was played this weekend. Strasbourg was in Monaco uh, and, and drew in Monaco instead of Luido. We know that Monaco has been struggling this season and it was a game with, uh, with a lot of rhythm and, and Monaco probably got um, a bit lucky to to be able to get that point because we were struggling to score uh, very quickly. The goal scorer were uh, Wissam Benyeder on penalty just before halftime uh, and Ludovic Ajok uh, after halftime on penalty as well. Uh, two penalty that could have been avoided because I think both those fouls from uh, from Jiku on Voland and from um, Fofana uh, were, were definitely... Um, 
stupid fouls in in to, to make in the box. Uh, they almost lost at the end. Strasbourg, though, Boadou had the the ball of the game in his feet, but couldn't get the target. Um, it, it's been what we've seen from Strasbourg since the beginning of the season. Maybe they're not dominating, but like you're saying, they're playing um, direct attacking football uh, and they're a danger for uh, for every single defence. Um, this week, Strasbourg is hosting Bordeaux midweek and then they're travelling to Nice at the end of the week. Very quickly and to sort of to sort of wrap up our conversation, uh, when Strasbourg travels to Nice, um, they're playing against um, Galtier, who is a coach who, in my mind, um, I guess has the same sort of tactics that Strasbourg is playing, which is making sure that the defense is solid and trying to go um, towards the offense uh, very quickly. Without and, and Nice, I feel, is going to be a, a title container. Not talking only about that Nice-Strasbourg game, but talking about Strasbourg until the end of the season, and so teams like Nice. Do you think that they can keep doing what they've been doing so far for a whole season? Do you think that uh, with Julien Stéphane, with the personnel that you have right now, um, we can see them, you know, keeping that average goal scoring, which is pretty, pretty awesome, uh, and and coming and trying to get that Conference League spot or that Europa League spot at the end of the season? You know, from my perspective and what I've seen uh, over the years, Strasbourg tends to start very, very well. And the second part of the season is always, uh, you cannot predict. It's either, you know, we, we're a team with high highs and low lows. Uh, so to speak, that's why we have won so many cups because we're a team, we're a cup team. Uh, that's that's who we are. So we're really unpredictable. I, I don't, I cannot give you an answer here. I just want to see what we're going to do in the um, in the winter break and who's coming in. Because the first thing that, has, that I've seen uh, and and it took me by surprise against France, which was. Uh, um, disgusting game uh, very you know I, I wish I didn't go but uh, one player I think stood out and it was Sani Persic uh, who's been at the club for two or three years um, never never was a starter and, and rarely played rarely played sorry um, he started this game and it was the best player by far uh, in Ajax's uh, absence. Um, he oriented the game. He pressed so well. He's a very smart player. Uh, he's a Bosnian international player. So so he has pedigree, right? Uh, but I think it's the kind of player that Julien Stéphane wants to build around because he's a very astute, very smart player. And, and this was the first game that I've seen Strasbourg trying to attack a bit more slowly and pass the ball. Uh, obviously, it didn't work out this game, but I think it's the way we're going now. And um, and it just depends what, what Stefan wants to do for the second part of the season. It's either he wants to carry on this way, which is working, or uh, he will ask uh, the president and, and Loïc Désiré to, to give him the, the player and the tools to uh, to play it like he wants to. And 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 it would be a bit more risky. So I think, yeah, it's 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 either one or the other. But uh, I'm never I, I never sleep on uh, I never sleep well when we're playing the second part of, of the season because it's 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 always very risky. 
<laughs> That's a fair assessment of Strasbourg, definitely. Um, Daniel, thank you so much for uh, for sharing all your insights on Strasbourg. Uh, I'm sure the listener would have loved that. I really enjoyed it um, as well. Is is there anything else that should be said about Strasbourg that uh, that we haven't mentioned and that you you care to to mention? No, n nothing in particular. Um, just just come visit Strasbourg. I, I I swear it's it's a fantastic city, a, a very a very small one, but but a cool one. Uh, and we just uh, we just opened. Uh, I don't know how you call it in English, um, Marché Noël. Um, Christmas market. Christmas market, yeah, Christmas market, which is renowned around the world. Uh, I know that with COVID, it's not easy, but um, but yeah, go, come and visit Strasbourg and and just go watch a game. It will be fantastic uh, atmosphere. You will have a flamukush, uh, you will have a good game, and 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 then you just you know it's it's a feel good city really. And and if I had just one thing to say, just just come and visit us. Look at that football writer, podcaster, and also <laughs> the the tourist guide of uh, of Strasbourg. <laughs> awesome, Daniel. Thank you, uh, everyone. Please go and and check out Clean Sheet. Uh, you know, you can just hit translate on Twitter, so you can read uh, what Daniel is is doing on on Clean Sheet, and it's uh, it's very interesting. And there's a lot of good stuff coming out of uh, of your work, Daniel. So so thank you so much. Thanks for coming uh, and talking about Strasbourg, and uh, and you know. I know that we'll we'll talk again soon. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you for having me. Okay, let's talk about the other Liga games that happened um, this week after uh, after that amazing chat with with Daniel. Thanks again uh, for uh, for coming on the pod. Anybody else who wants to come and talk about their favorite um, Liga team, please hit me up. Um, love to have some guests. Love to talk football uh, with with passionate people from all around the world. Uh, anyway, the rest of the game this weekend, let's go through what we've seen on the weekend. Um, the first game of the weekend was Lens against Angers. Les Saint et Or, who, uh, who are hitting a bit of a low after such a, a strong start of the season. Uh, the final score was 2-2. The goal scorer Kakuta and Sotoka for Lens at the 48th and the 55th minute. And Bufal at the 40th and Thomas at the 70th for Angers. So Angers who opened the score and then Lance came back and went up front and then Thomas who leveled at the end. Nine shots for Lance, four on target, 12 shots for Angers, five on target and 51% um, possession and, and a game that, you know, wasn't as dominated by Lance as uh, as it's been in the past. Uh, you know, we know that Lance has struggled away from home, but we hadn't seen them struggling at home and this weekend was a little bit of that. Maybe the absence of Kalimwendo uh, was, you know, more, uh, hurt them more than what we thought it would because uh, it just didn't look uh, didn't feel as good with um, with Ganago up front. Um, a good game by Angers, who, who was pretty good in counter attack. Uh, the, the ball, the goal from Buffal is a is a good goal, uh, and the the equalizer by Thomas on the corner kick is definitely also a chance. Uh, Lance, who could have won that game, uh, missed a few chances, uh, but Lance, who, who draws and sees um, other team getting ahead of them uh, on the table, we we'll look at the table at the end of the pod as usual. Uh, anyway, Lance, who, yeah, like I said, maybe a bit of a maybe a bit of a slow 
period, but we've seen how good they've been this season. The player from uh, who play for Franquez, uh, and no doubt they're going to bounce back. Uh, big week for Lens, who midweek are playing in Clermont, and at the end of the week will be hosting Paris Saint-Germain. Uh, in the meantime, Angers will be hosting Monaco midweek and play in Reims uh, at the end of the week. There will be two match days in Ligue 1 this week, one on, on Wednesday, Thursday, and one on um, Saturday, Sunday, since there's no European game this week. They, uh, they slot in an extra uh, match day. Next up was Lille against Nantes and Lille who drew as well 1-1 against Nantes. Uh, the game has started well for Lille. Borak Yilmaz scored at the ninth minute, uh, but Ludovic Blas um, leveled quite quickly at the 24th minute. A red card was given to Fabio, the right back from Nantes, at the 78th minute. Uh, a game dominated by Ledog, the, the reigning champion, 60% possession, 10 shots, only three on target, uh, and Nantes with seven shots and three on target as well. Uh, things look good for like I said, that, that early goal from Burak, who, uh, who looked like his good self uh, very early on, and, and that little volley um, shows how good Burak can be. Uh, but then, you know, they let Nantes sort of believe that they could come back. Uh, Ivo Gerbic had to deny um, Moses Simon from close range, and then Ludovic Blas, um, you know, found a, found a hole in the defense uh, after Jallo um, tripped. It's, it's a good um, team of Lille that we see you know, sort of waking up, but we're just seeing that they left themselves open um, every now and again, just like the beginning of the season. It's a bit better. It's definitely a bit better. Um, you know, maybe those uh, those good performances in European uh, competition finally inspired them in, on the domestic uh, scene as well. Uh, Nantes could have won. Fabio hit the post. Uh, I think more importantly, uh, Fabio gets uh, sent off for a foul in the box, and so a penalty is given to Lille. Um, so Lille should have one but uh, Jonathan David missed his penalty uh, and the score remained 1-1 which is again a bit of a wasting opportunity uh, for Jocelyn Gourvenec and his troop uh, Lille this week uh, Tough, tough travel to Rennes uh, midweek. It's going to be a very interesting game. Uh, and at the end of the week, they'll be hosting Troyes. Uh, Nantes, in the meantime, will be hosting Marseille and traveling to Lorient at the end of the week. Next up, the surprise of the weekend, Nice, who lost at home to Metz 1-0. The goal scorer, Fabien Santons, the fullback who's the best goal scorer in Metz right now. The uh, goal at the 31st minute. 70% possession for Nice. Les Aiglons, who shot 20 times, only twice on target. Metz, four shots, one on target, the goal. Um, you know, I think the stats sort of say it all. Nice dominated. Nice had opportunity. Nice just couldn't get the target uh, de l'or. Guiri wasn't as good as we expect him to be. When Dolbert came in, nothing much happened. Stengs was hit and miss. Cloyvert uh, brought a little bit, but not enough. Um, you know, the second half, 16 shots for Nice, not one on target. Uh, very symptomatic of what's going on right now. Um, you know, I, at the um, at the Alliance Riviera, sorry, with with Christophe Galtier and his team, uh, the best opportunity for Nice was probably that header from Delors, who was saved by Ukija on his line. Um, but but Mess, you know, who's happy to take that point. It's a very important win for Antonetti and his troop. It's a crucial win, uh, probably somewhere where they didn't think they was going to get the the three points, but they were able to keep it up until the end. Uh, and it's a result that they'll be uh, they'll be proud that they were able to get. You know, Nice, we expect them to do better. I think, um, I think, you know, 
Christophe Galtier expect his team to do better as well. So uh, let's see how they can let's see how they can bounce back. You know they they are still the best defense. Uh, they're just not offering as much as we would like them to. Uh, big game for Nice this week. They are traveling to Paris Saint Germain on on Wednesday night Thursday morning here. Uh, real tests for for Christophe Galtier seeing what they can do at the Parc des Princes. Um, and at the end of the week they'll be hosting Strasbourg. In the meantime, Metz trying to keep their good run going uh, will be hosting Montpellier uh, before they travel to Monaco at the end of the week. Saint-Etienne Paris Saint-Germain, the club of the capital, visited Le Chaudron this weekend and Paris Saint-Germain won the way they've won every time since the beginning of the season. Uh, 3-1 for Paris Saint-Germain. The goal scorer were first Buanga for Saint-Etienne at the 23rd minute. Marquinhos leveled at the uh, 45th minute just before halftime. Di Maria scored at the 79th and Marquinhos uh, scored the second goal uh, all the way in the injury time at the 91st minute. 72% possession for Paris Saint-Germain. 15 shots, 8 on target. For Saint-Etienne, 8 shots, 4 on target. Uh, Saint-Etienne who played uh, a whole half with uh, only 10 men, uh, Colo Jeshak being uh, sent off just before halftime for a foul in position of last defender or almost last defender on Mbappé. Uh, it was a game where we saw uh, how good Etienne Green is going to be. Um, the Etienne um, goalkeeper denied Mbappé twice in the third half. In the first half, denied Neymar in the second half, uh, and those save those one v one save were were pretty special. Um, Etienne who opened the score, the, the pass from Kazri uh, to to Buanga or to Colo Jesak rather uh, was perfect the exterior of the boot uh, and Saint-Etienne who had a lot of opportunity after that goal was called uh, by Buanga unfortunately just not able to to bury it the red card given to Colo Jesak look maybe a bit controversial uh, controversial in the fact that there was a foul on a Saint-Etienne player just before that the referee decided to play the advantage but didn't come back to the foul when Saint-Etienne lost the ball and then on the counter-attack, long ball for Mbappé. Colo Jeshak tackles, sees that he can't touch Mbappé and so raises his boot to sort of touch his knee. It looks like there's another defender covering right next to him. Bade is right next to him. Uh, but the referee decided to give uh, a red card anyway. Um, on on the free kick, Marquinhos levels. And then after that, Paris Saint-Germain keeps dominating and, and finally uh, breaks the deadlock at, at the 80th minute uh, before Marquinhos kills it at the 91st. The worry for Paris Saint-Germain during that game, of course, is Neymar, who injured himself. Uh, it looks like the ankle has turned. Uh, the first words are that he might be away for six weeks uh, which which will uh, which will let him out until the end of the um, winter mercato basically um, so so not all good news for Paris Saint-Germain who again uh, you know won a game without being um, very convincing but you know it's a win they're still at the top of the table uh, and, and that's basically all they want it was the first game for Sergio Ramos uh, in his new colors and it was actually a pretty good game from uh, the former Spanish international which is you know what else do you expect from a player of his quality uh, but there was a lot of chit chat about Ramos um, you know not being ready to come back to play and um, in in Spain the media sent him back to, to Real Madrid supposedly or at least said that he didn't want to stay in, in Paris and next thing you know for his first game he actually um, delivers what we expect him to deliver, leadership, technique, uh, and all that a player of the caliber of Sergio Ramos can bring to Paris Saint-Germain. So hopefully 
good things to come for um, the club of the capital who like we said will play against Nice uh, on Wednesday night uh, before traveling to Lens at the end of the week it's a it's a big week for Paris uh, it's a good way for them to see uh, how they are going this season in the meantime Saint-Etienne will be traveling to Brest the, the team in form in Ligue 1 uh, and then host Rennes at the end of the week so same thing Les Verts are not going to have a, an easy week uh, in Ligue 1 for uh, match day 16 and, and 17 Lorient versus Rennes is the next one, one of the derbies of Brittany uh, and Rennes, who was able to get the three points. Uh, Rennes was in form, you know, with, with Genesio. We've talked about them uh, in a couple of pods now. The goal scorer, uh, Gaëtan Laborde, of course, at the 75th minute. And Jeremy Doku, back from injury, scored straight away at the 78th minute. Uh, Rennes with 58% possession, 11 shots, 5 on target. Uh, Lorient with 6 attempts and not 1 on target. It's it's hard to score when you don't hit the target of course uh, good to see Jeremy Doku celebrating his comeback to the competition with Rennes uh, with his first goal of the season uh, and a derby win you know of course the the goals both being scored in the last 15 minutes show that Rennes had to be patient uh, Lorient was solid defensively um, Rennes created a few opportunities but um, it took you know again the, the genius of, of Gaëtan Laborde uh, to find the to find the the open the Open shot. It's I don't know if it's lucky or unlucky. You know, it's a good rebound after uh, after the ball hit the post and Laborde um, crucifies uh, the the Lorient goalkeeper. Rennes is definitely building that confidence. They're doing really well in European competitions midweek, uh, and they're doing good right now in Liga. Uh, you're wondering who's going to stop them. Uh, they're in form. I'm happy to see the, the Stade Rennes doing well. I'm happy to see that Rosa Roazon Park is helping them uh, get there. Interesting games for Rennes this week. They're hosting Lille uh, midweek uh, before, as we said, traveling to Le Chaudron uh, Saint Etienne uh, on the weekend. Uh, in the meantime, Lorient, who's, who's definitely um, struggling a little bit, is visiting Troyes midweek uh, and will be hosting Nantes at the end of the week. Could be an uh, important game for Christophe Pellissier uh, to to take some points and uh, and take a bit of air after. Uh, a, a series of four um, defeats in a row. Next game up, Reims against Clermont and a 1-0 win uh, right at the end of it for Reims. The goal scorer Gislain Conan and what a goal at the 91st minute. Uh, 59% position for Clermont. 12 shots, 3 on target for Reims. 4 shots, not 1 on target for Clermont. Again, uh, you know, it's it's hard to win a game when you're not uh, putting 1 on target and, and Clermont uh, in Reims was definitely, I think, expected to to give a better copy you know we've seen them impressive uh, they had they had their usual team Mohamed Bayo was here Bertomier Alevina those who were here uh, they just weren't able to really um, bother Reykjavik on that game and, uh, and and they paid for it uh, you know Dosu Alevina uh, had the opportunity just couldn't get the target always a little bit wide uh, and then next thing you know um, although Joko had a, had a solid game in, in Clermont's goal this week uh, 
seconds before the end. Uh, Ghislain Coman, a terrific left-footed thunder strike. If you watch one goal this week in Liga, you gotta see that one. Uh, was just too much for the for the keeper from 25 meters away, right under the crossbar. Uh, crucified Joko really, uh, and gave the three point to to Reims and Oscar Garcia, and they needed uh, those three points. The um, Champagne team, Reims this week will be traveling to Lyon uh, and then at the end of the week we'll be hosting Angers in the meantime excuse me Clermont will be hosting Lens uh, before a trip to Montpellier Bordeaux against Brest is the next one and Les Pirates of Brest uh, on a roll they're loving life right now third win in a row uh, in Bordeaux and uh, and they're just you know coming up on the sorry fourth win you know what am I saying they're just coming up on the table um, slowly but surely um, you know putting a bit of space between them and Bordeaux actually on that one the goal scorer Gregersen for Bordeaux his first goal on his with his New Jersey uh, and Jeremy Ledouaron with a doublé for Brest at the 59th and the 66th minute Gregersen had scored at the 43rd uh, 65% position for Bordeaux 16 shots 4 on target for Brest 14 shots 4 on target um, a game that had a good intensity to it uh, between two teams that were not convincing at the beginning of the season but are slowly growing into themselves um, you know, Bordeaux, who wanted to slow down Brest, almost did it. That, that goal before the break from Gregersen could have, you know, um, hit Brest behind the head. Uh, but it didn't work out. Um, you know, um, Le Douaron was able to to bring those three points to, to Brest. First, thanks to a mistake by Ricardo Mangas, who basically gave him the ball into the box uh, before uh, a, a good goal, a good combination between Honora, Honora and Le Douaron that led to the second game, the second goal of the night for the striker. Bordeaux, who is still with no clean sheet this season, um, and who is also the team who's involved, um, in the most goals for and against, uh, there's 54 goals going on whenever, uh, Bordeaux is playing. Unfortunately for them, 32 of them are, um, against and it makes, uh, Bordeaux the worst defense in Ligue 1, uh, right now. Uh, this week, Bordeaux will be playing at, uh, in Strasbourg excuse me midweek uh, and then at the end of the week they will be hosting Lyon so it's uh, it's important for Petkovic to try and get uh, points in those two games Brest will try and keep that uh, that show going and going for a fifth and a sixth win in a row uh, first by hosting Saint-Etienne and then by traveling to Marseille not an easy feat winning against those two teams but uh, Michel Derzakarian and his troops uh, seem to be in fine form. We're going to the south. Montpellier was hosting Lyon on Sunday and Lyon, who won away from home, uh, finally, it was a bit of a, of a drought for Olympique Lyonnais. 1-0 uh, win, the goal scorer, who else but Lucas Paqueta at the 17th minute. Uh, Lyon, who dominated with 56% possession, 11 shots, 3 on target, uh, and Montpellier, who had 15 shots and 6 on target and probably thought they deserved a bit more than that loss uh, without their captain Teji Savanier suspended uh, Montpellier still had a good game uh, you know Mollet hit the crossbar uh, 
um, and, and a few opportunities came up. Maybe Didi uh, was in form. Unfortunately, they just weren't able to uh, to put the ball past Anthony Lopez, who had a, a solid game again. The, the Portuguese goalkeeper, who's uh, definitely in form this season for Lyon. Uh, the goal for Lyon, though, came also from the woodwork. Uh, Slimani hit the woodwork, uh, but the ball came back just perfectly on Paqueta, uh, and his header just left Omelin, um no chance. Lyon had opportunities to also, you know, um, put more than one goal. Uh, but Omelin had a, a pretty good save in front of um, Carl Toko Ekambi. It's the end of a four-match uh, winless run away for Lyon. So it's it's an important three points taken by uh, Peter Both and uh, and his squad. For Montpellier, it's, I guess, uh, a bit disheartening that they, they're playing well. The Dalolio players, they're just not um, getting the points that they would like to get. Uh, and hopefully for them, they'll, uh, they'll change that soon. They're traveling to Metz this week, Montpellier, uh, midweek. And then at the end of the week, they will be hosting Clermont Foot. In the meantime, Lyon uh, hosting Reims on Wednesday night or Thursday morning uh, and traveling to Bordeaux at the end of the week. The last game of the week was Marseille against Troyes and Olympique de Marseille, who uh, finally got all three points. Uh, same thing, they were not in the in the best run. There was two wins in 13 games all competition for Marseille. Uh, a, a win by the thinnest of margins, though 1-0 against Troyes. Uh, Lirola scored at the 74th minute. 56% chance for Marseille, 14 shots, 4 on target. And for Troyes, 5 shots and 2 on target. Marseille, you pushed all game. Marseille, who really dominated the first half and then in the second half um, maybe let a few opportunities go for, for Troyes uh, but Marseille who really should have could have scored more goals early uh, Milik who was denied by Gallon a couple of times um, the goal from Lirola was was a good goal beautiful pass uh, by Payet Payet of course is um, again in form uh, but I guess it's good for Marseille it's a clean sheet uh, it's a win and it's a win that will help them uh, on the table of course they've lost a few points that they shouldn't have recently so they They'll take that win at home, even though the, the football isn't the best. Uh, Marseille will be traveling to Nantes uh, midweek and then will be hosting Brest at the end of the week. In the meantime, Troyes will be playing against Lorient midweek and will be traveling to Lille at the end of the week. That's all the games for this week. Sorry that I uh, went a bit faster on it, but uh, but uh, we had spoken at length about Strasbourg, so I didn't want the pod to be too long. Uh, a quick look at the table. Paris Saint-Germain, of course, ahead and comfortably ahead. 40 points in 15 games. Uh, 12 points ahead of Rennes, who's, who's on a run with uh, four wins in the last five games. Uh, Rennes second with 28 points, followed by Nice, 26. Marseille, 26, with a game in hand, of course, that game against Lyon. Uh, and then and Lens uh, slid down to the fifth place with 25 points. At the bottom of the table, Saint-Etienne uh, always still is the last table, 12 points uh, behind Metz, who gave himself a bit of air with that win in, in Nice, and who's now 19th with 12 points as well. And in front of them, Bordeaux, Troyes, and Clermont with 13 points. Uh, it's tighter and tighter at the at the bottom of the table. Uh, the best goal scorer, Jonathan David, could have been at 11 with that penalty, but he's still at 10, uh, followed by Gaëtan Laborde, who scored this weekend with 9 points, and Guiri and Ben Yedder with 8 points uh, in the assists. Mbappé uh, still up front with 7 assists. 
Thank you very much again for listening to Casteleling, the French football podcast. Go and, you know, read the articles on Breaking the Lines. Uh, keep in touch with uh, football in general. There's a few pretty interesting interviews uh, by Zach Lawi, who were published this week uh, when he was when he was in Portugal for a week or so. He got to meet he got to meet some interesting people, and it's uh, it worth the detour. Thanks again for listening to Casteleling. Thanks for caring about French football. Thank you, Daniel, for coming and talking about Strasbourg. Very interesting chat uh, and I will talk to you all next week uh, you know 20, 20 games in Ligue 1 played this week there's going to be a lot to say next week and I am looking forward to it merci au revoir ciao ciao